Thanks for tuning in to the Win With Vin podcast. And now, here's your host, Vinny Spottles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Win With Vin podcast. I'm Vinny Spottleson, candidate for Nevada State Assembly in District 21. I'm very honored today to be joined by my friend Vernon Lee from Moapa. And uh, he's one of the very first people I met out in Moapa. I was working in Sierra Club, and uh, this is uh, 2010, in 2010. Uh, we had just come off a successful campaign of stopping a new coal-fired power plant from being built in Mesquite, Nevada. And the chairman of the Moapa Paiute tribe at the time, uh, his name was Darren Debota. Uh, you know, I went out there to meet with him, and one of the very first people he introduced me to uh, when we went to Moapa was Vernon. Uh, and the reason was that Vernon had worked at the Reed Gardner coal plant uh, for a very long time. So Vernon, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I'm glad to be here, Vinny. Uh, again, my name is Vernon Lee. I'm a member of the uh, Moapa River Indian Reservation. And uh, our community is located really close to the Reed Gardner plant. And like Vinny said, it was quite an adventure going through that process to getting it to uh, well, right now they're going to be shutting down. Yeah. And so you actually worked at the coal plant, one of the few tribal members that ever actually did work out at the coal plant. When did, when did you work there? Uh, I worked there from 75 through or into 78 and then from 84 until the beginning of 2002. So I got a total of probably over 18 years there. And for people that don't know, what is a coal power plant? Well, you know, they make electric, make steam, burn coal. And of course, the, the entire process takes in uh, all kinds of weird chemicals and stuff they have to put in as additives for treating the water and treating the coal. You know, sometimes the coal will stick to the boiler tubes inside the boilers and they have to put uh, chemicals and it, it's just numerous things. And then, of course, the maintenance process. There's a lot of oils and solvents and uh, just all kinds of antisocial things that is created in the process of making the electric. Yeah, because you're basically burning industrial amounts of coal to turn a turbine that will create the electricity but in the meantime you you have to use all these different toxic chemicals and pollutants and heavy metals to actually make it all work yeah that's true uh the reed gardener was a i think it is a 680 megawatt power plant and when it is going at full load they can burn up to 84 100 ton coal cars every day now it doesn't do that all the time but if it's at full load and all units online, it can burn a lot of coal. So what were some of the things that were going on at the power plant when you worked there that made you so concerned? Well, you know, I, I could see a, a truckloads of things coming in. And, uh, you know, by that, I mean, there was truckloads of the stuff called Trona that they would add into the scrubber systems. And there was acids by the truckloads that they would have to uh, treat the water with. And then, of course, the coal and all of the other cleaning solvents and oils and everything. And is what I was observing is that everything came into the plant and nothing really left. There was a little bit of fly ash that they used as an export to add to the, uh, the creation of concrete or concrete blocks. The rest of it went into the ponds, 
which was right near the power plant and up on the hill was the ash ponds and dump and that is in close proximity to the community on the reservation so really it, it was a it was a pollution issue that really got me going i mean I, I could see everything happening and of course living on the reservation you could smell all the stuff and through the years the power plant grew and they encroached to probably within a quarter mile of, of our community. And we were getting inundated, well, practically daily. Uh, but it really got bad during the spring and the late fall. Well, and I, I think it makes sense that, you know, everybody would realize that burning a bunch of coal um, would obviously create a huge air pollution problem. But uh, it, the wastes, I can remember, these these products, these chemicals being stored on site were actually reaching the community and causing problems too? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, there was like a, a, the ponds, if they were allowed to dry out, which they were, uh, we would have clouds of what appeared like a fog bank that would literally blow over and engulf our communities. And that was a visible thing. The other part was the ponds, when they were in a liquid form, they would emit, uh, well, probably unknown things that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. But the ones that they acknowledged was hydrogen sulfide, which... Uh, gave you uh, nosebleeds, poor memory, fatigue, uh, you know, just really bad things. And, you know, the, the biggest worry was the elders and the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elders are more susceptible because, it, you know, the, I mean, the, the, the asthma factor and the respiratory factor. And with the kids, the, uh, the fact that it, it created memory loss uh, probably hindered them in their schooling. And, of course, fatigue would hinder them in their sports. And that's such a big deal to have kids keyed into those things because it gives them self-esteem and it gives them goals. And so there was uh, really concerns across the board. Yeah, and I remember uh, the hydrogen sulfide gas that you're talking about. That was a huge problem because that gas is actually heavier than our ambient air. So our air that's mostly made up of nitrogen and oxygen, the hydrogen sulfide gas actually sits down at the ground level. So people walking around are getting exposed to that uh, an even more concentrated amount right there on the reservation next to the power plant. Well, that, that, that's very, very true because when you say concentrated, I mean, it was, it was really bad. Uh, you know, I, I could uh, feel it. it. It was like it was reacting with the sweat on my body and it would like almost create a film. You could feel it on you. Uh, and it did lay on the ground, you know. I mean, the, the breeze would blow and it would actually track towards our community and it would lay in the bottom of the wash coming into the community, which, you know, the road was built in the wash. So whenever you was coming outside the community and came in through the road into the wash, you would run into that smell. And then, of course, uh, as you got down to the community, everything was uh, pretty bad. So what happened when you started raising these issues with uh, Nevada Power? Well, uh, I, I was I was eventually terminated because of my I, I kept telling them that my memory was uh, starting to get bad, and then I was getting dizzy, and that's another one of the symptoms. And uh, I worked in a very dangerous, uh, or I had to work closely around equipment, which posed a big danger. And being dizzy, I started saying, "Look, I don't, I don't think I can uh, uh, safely do this." And they wouldn't transfer me or nothing. They started giving me, the, you know, through tests and everything else. And ultimately, they terminated, uh, they terminated me because they said that I was unable to perform my job safely. 
And that you're not the only one. I've I've uh, heard of other folks on the reservation who also worked out there that had uh, health issues or or problems while they were working at the plant. Um, do you remember anybody specifically? Well, yeah, there was other other. Uh, well, there, there wasn't a lot of hiring going on from the reservation, but there was a handful. And uh, th- there was uh, one one young guy who had heart problems, and it it ultimately killed him. Uh, his heart gave out. There was another guy that had I thought there was a heart problem too, and he was actually one of the I think it was a Jarvis heart type thing. He was walking around with a machine for months and months, and ultimately he died. And then of course there was others that had cancers, and they died. And then one of them died from black lung. So you know uh, the few that were hired were I don't know they just met their demise, and I believe it's because of living in the proximity to the plant all their lives. And, of course, working within the plant. Yeah. Now, you know, I can remember uh, before I started working, I looked at some of the old records, and there was a attempt from within the tribe uh, to bring these issues to the Southern Nevada Health District. And I think this is around 2006. Uh, you know, some 55 or more members of the tribe reported their health problems. There were different issues that they were having to the health district. And the health district's response was, we can't do anything because there's less than a thousand people out there. It's not a statistically relevant sample. That's true. They said there wasn't enough people affected, but it's really more complicated than that because there's solid waste and then there's liquid waste and then there's air pollution. Well, when you're talking about the waste coming out of the coal plant, you got all three. So I would go to one, one pollution expert over at the county and I would complain about the dust in the air and he said, well, you'd have to go to the, to the air people. And then, of course, it was coming from what used to be liquid waste. And then they would say, well, that would be liquid. And then, of course, once it dried out, then it got solid. So it was like uh, I was being passed around between the solid waste, the liquid waste, and the air waste. And, and I was really getting nowhere. And they were all going. different regulatory agencies that were saying somebody else is responsible for dealing yes. with this. Yeah. So, um, and I can remember, uh, ultimately, you know, the Nevada Department of Environmental Protection was in charge of the facility, of overseeing it. And the person that was working there uh, when we were working on a campaign to shut down the plant, I can remember them telling me over the phone, I'm not familiar with the legalities surrounding the Reed Gardner coal plant. So it just gives you a sense of how uh, ignorant all of uh, the regulators and the government was to what was really going on out there. Yeah, you know, it was hard for the, uh, the tribe to really trust anybody. Uh, we did not have a good relationship with Nevada Power in those days. And, of course, we believe that the PUC and the Nevada Department of Environmental were, uh, well, they were, it's hard to say that they were complicit in the pollution factors, but the fact is there was a lot going on. Reed Gardner was the dirtiest coal plant in the United States. Yeah. Uh, And when we first got involved, I remember the first, thing that we were trying to stop was they were trying to expand the landfill to take all these crazy wastes that were, um, you know, getting blown into the community and exposing the community in other ways. Uh, They're trying to build this landfill to expand so that they could continue running the plant until 2046. And I remember that the very first times that we started raising these issues to the Southern Nevada Health District, we didn't really get anywhere. They kept going forward with the permits. Yeah, that, that, that seemed to be the normal mode for them. Uh, 
we had our complaints in with the BLM and all the other environmental groups that, you know, had some kind of a say. And of course, it all fell on deaf ears. And then at, at one point, we hired a lady. She's a tribal member, and she put a, an article in the paper. And that, that made a stir. And it was during those days is when the Sierra Club came in. And uh, there was other environmental people involved, but uh, that's when we actually got some attention. Yeah, and uh, the very first legal action that was taken was actually suing over the landfill. Do you remember being a part of that? Mm, Well, in the beginning, I was not on the tribal council. Uh, I've been on the tribal council in the past, and I've been on the tribal council during that, but it was not in the incipient stages of the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was there during some of that lawsuit and was involved with some of the settlement also. So uh, then we started organizing campaigns. We started getting more stories in the media, speaking out at different public meetings about this issue. And when did you start to think you actually had a chance of shutting down this coal plant? Well, it, it was pretty rough all the way. Uh, we was getting attention, and uh, th- there was, uh, I think there was nationwide attention on it. And so there was, uh, the, the, there was things happening that, that I don't think I was aware of, but I, I think that Envy Energy was getting a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, they, they was having a tough time. We had the lawsuit, and that was going on. And really is what happened is when uh, Berkshire Hathaway, the Warren Buffett company, bought Envy Energy. They're the ones that actually said, yes, we're going to shut it down. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of pressure for a lot of years going on, and uh, yeah. ultimately it happened. Yeah, and some of that pressure, uh, I remember we had uh, George Knapp with Channel 8 News come out and do a multi-part story. And then Channel 3, Reed Cowan came and he did a multi-part story so that we got a lot of media attention that way. Um, there's also some different activities that uh, uh, we organized that helped ra- raise awareness of the plan, including a, a march from Moapa to Las Vegas. Yeah, we, we've actually had three of them. But the first one was from uh, the Moapa Reservation to the federal building in Las Vegas. That was a three-day march. It's basically 50 miles. And uh, that got some attention. Uh, we also had protests up at the Envy Energy office, and of course, we was always in the Public Utility Commission uh, hearings complaining about Reed Gardner. Mm-hmm. And I can remember uh, shortly after that first March, maybe only three or four months after that, uh, Senator Reed finally came out against the plant and called for it to be shut down. Yes, and, and that, that, that in itself was, was a, a big help. Uh, you know, Senator Reed's a very powerful senator. and. Uh, that really created uh, a part of the wave to get that thing shut down. Yeah, and ultimately what happened was it went to the legislature, and I was surprised, actually. Um, I knew that Envy Energy was going to start talking about shutting down the plant, that they were uh, uh, they wanted to get away from this. But I was actually surprised when it was announced uh, that there was a bill at the legislature to actually close down their coal plants. Yeah, it was there, but it didn't really mandate. It, it was a method to do that. Now, originally, Envy Energy wanted to acquire that land and go for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I think the writing was on the wall. The pollution was uh, 
to say the least, was really, really horrendous coming out of the power plant and right onto us, you know, the community on the reservation. But the writing was on the wall, you know, uh, globally, that, uh, you know, the pollution from power plants and coal was uh, taking its toll on the atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because uh, I think a lot of people don't know the single biggest contributor to global warming around the whole world is coal-fired power plants. Um, you know, during this time while all this coal fight was going on, uh, the Moapa tribe was also developing a solar plant on the uh, reservation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of ironic uh, that uh, we're over there being polluted, basically poisoned by a coal-burning power plant. And the tribe is hosting, or we had a group come to us to build a uh, 250 megawatt solar power plant. So uh, the, the tribe did go forward with that, and it's being constructed today. As a matter of fact, it's producing some of the power today. I don't know how many blocks are producing power, but probably four of them mm -hmm. out of nine blocks. They're online. But uh, that really added to the flavor of, of our uh, our plight to get Reed Gardner shut down because it was known then that we were being polluted by coal and at the same time we was also involved in the, the clean energy business. Yeah. Um, and so nowadays that solar plant's being built and uh, soon will be delivering that power to uh, Los Angeles and then you have another solar project that would actually go towards Las Vegas that the tribe's trying to get built. Well, uh, well, there are two other projects, mm. uh, solar projects. Both of them, I think, are 100. No, one of them, I think, is 200 megawatt. The other one is a 100 megawatt. Uh, those uh, power purchase agreements have not been solidified yet, although the, uh, the, uh, all, all, all of the regulatory hoops have been cleared. Uh, one of them is turnkey right now, ready for a power purchase agreement. The other one, we're just waiting for the record of decision which is the last step in the permitting process. So basically we have two that are ready to go. And then of course the one being built. Yeah. Well, now that, um, you know, we've been successful in Reed Gardner and around the country, so many people uh, and uh, local communities have come together and, and been able to uh, get agreements to shut down these coal plants. And we definitely would uh, be safe to say that coal is on its way out as an electricity source in the uh, United States. What do you see as the, uh, next biggest threats environmentally to um, you know us here in Nevada or anywhere around the world? Well, like you said, the coal is the biggest polluter. And of course, they're building power plants still around the world. And that, I think, is the number one problem. Mm -hmm. uh, the air, uh, you know, the earth is like an island in the sky. It's the only home we've got. And we're, uh, we're killing the skies and the oceans are sick and you know, the water factor, uh, you know, water is so crucial to life and everything's being polluted. Mm -hmm. So everybody's got to check what's going on and do a retake and reposition themselves to really think about the future of the planet, uh, future generations. You know, not just our children, but our children's children's children. So it's, it's uh, and you know, I, I can't stress how important it is to look at this pollution and address it. Yeah. And one of the biggest threats that I think is coming up to Nevada is uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk about fracking uh, around eastern Nevada, including pretty close to the Moapa Reservation, if I'm not wrong. Uh, the, the fracking, as I read, and hopefully this is true, is up at Wells, Nevada. They had been doing test, test uh, 
test wells drilling to see what was down there and they found what they were looking for presumably it was an ale or a shale strata that they wanted to frack and they were permitted to drill 50 wells for potential production so that's one thing and then recently they have opened up some more leases in and around the southern eastern portion of Nevada, basically around Pioche and Cal, uh, yeah, Pioche, Caliani, and Moapa and Mesquite. Now, I have heard lately that the one that's near Mesquite has been shut down, so I'm not, I'm not too sure. But the fact is, fracking is really it's uh, poisoning the well, and they need to rethink that also. Yeah, and even if it wasn't for the poisoning, I've seen that these uh, uh, that fracking uses so much water. Uh, that we really just can't afford to be using it just to create energy we could easily create with solar or wind power. Um, you know, one of the uh, things that was being contemplated up around Elka would have been 100,000 acre feet of use of water. And to put that in comparison, that's about a third of what all of Las Vegas uses annually. Uh, and that would just be wasted to basically create some natural gas to further pollute our air. Well, yeah, and that's that's a great waste, but it's it's even scarier than that because the chemicals that they put down there under unknown conditions. We know it's high pressure, and from what I know, uh, from what I understand, we don't really truly know what the chemicals are because it's all trade secrets, and I believe that the fracking is exempt from the Clean Water Act. So if you put all that together, uh, we've really got a problem. Yeah, and well, and. Fracking isn't just exempt from the Clean Water Act. It's actually also exempt from the Safe Drinking Water Act. So it's it's really insane. And, and one of the bigger problems is that groundwater across the country is regulated by the state and not federally. So it's up to local communities to create the regulations to actually enforce, uh, you know, any safe drinking water standards on these frackers. And as we've seen in a lot of other states where they don't have a strong state government or where they are so desperate for these jobs, uh, places like Oklahoma, uh, these are causing all sorts of problems. People have polluted wells, it's causing earthquakes. It's, it's really incredible. Um, and so we definitely don't want that to come here. Uh, well, any other in, environmental threats or issues or things that you think our, our folks should be aware of or that the Nevada state legislature should um, uh, consider working on? Well, the, the, the fact is, is that the people are more worried about uh, being reelected or not making waves in the wrong directions, and they're not addressing the problem. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact that people are, they seem obligated to certain groups, and they're not making the right decisions. Uh, they've got to really vote with their heart and do what is correct mm -hmm. because uh, the world is at stake. I mean, people don't really realize it, but in, in 30, 40 years, maybe sooner, they will really see the effects. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious now to a degree, but it's only affecting certain coastlines. And of course, the oceans are getting sick and everybody knows that the uh, Northern Pacific, there's a big whirlpool of trash out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the the problem is growing and it's right before us. We need to open our eyes and see it. So really, it's a global problem, but everybody that has a vote 
has a voice in it, and they need to exercise that voice. I totally agree. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you want to uh, mention or, or, or any other, um, uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap up here? Uh, I can't think of anything right now. Just that, uh, you know, this, this issue is very, very important. Great. And just going back to Reed Gardner and to shutting down the coal plant, I know that uh, I have Vernon here, but there were so many people that were really, really helpful in that effort. Uh, I just want to bring a few of them up. Uh, here real quick. Um, of course, uh, Darren DeBota, who we already mentioned, William Anderson, who was also chairman during uh, the campaign to shut down Reed Gardner, uh, Vicki Simmons, uh, very active, uh, Sarita Hernandez, who had five children uh, with uh, asthma that uh, she spoke out in the media about, um, and so she was willing to put her family you know, before the camera and help raise awareness of this issue. Who else? Well, I'm not, there's a lot of people, but you know, when you're saying that, there's an anecdotal story that went around about, uh, we have a little, I think it was a little football team, maybe a baseball team out there in Moapa, and they were playing some team from somewhere else, and the coach came over, and he noticed that everybody on the Moapa team, all those little kids, they all had breathalyzers. And, you know, he took note of that and was asking, well, what's going on with this? And really, the coach didn't say the truth. The truth was the Reed Gardner power plant was polluting everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we lost people during the course of the campaign. Of course, there's the uh, late Calvin Myers was really helpful. Uh, Elspeth uh, with Sierra Club. Um, Barb Boyle with Sierra Club. Dan Galpern, our attorney at mm-hmm. uh, Western Environmental Law Center. Um you know, of course, Senator Reed coming out was a big part of it, too. So it was a massive effort to uh, be able to shut down that coal plant. Well, let's not forget Vinny Spottleson. You were right <laughs> there in the middle of it, too. So, Oh, thank you. And we thank you. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in to next uh, the next Win With Vin podcast. You can go to my campaign website, learn more about these at winwithvin.org. And, of course, there you can also make a small donation to the campaign to help out. Uh, And, of course, thank you, Vernon, for coming out all this way from Moapa uh, to record this podcast and uh, help me tell the story of what happened out at Reed Gardner. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. And don't forget to win with Vin. The Win with Vin podcast is paid for and authorized by the Committee to Elect Vinny Spottleson.